Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of Tech Swamp. We have our host and friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad. Why, hello there. Hello, Caitlin. What's up? You know, just membership chilling. Always chilling. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> myself, Alex. Um, we are today bringing in our public policy team for a solid AppCon 21 prep session on all things telehealth and pandemic response. We'll be chatting with Senior Director for Public Policy, Graham Dufault, and Public Policy Coordinator, Madeline Zick, for the latest on the Wear It Act, the future of telemedicine, and all things related to our Connected Health initiative. But before we get into that, we're going to hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. This month for Tech History, we're honoring Deaf History Month, which runs from March 13th to April 15th, with a major headline from March 14th, 1993. 28 years ago this month, the LA Times ran a story titled, Talking Computer Assists Deaf Student. The piece focused on then 32-year-old Robert, who, after 15 years of going to college on and off, was able to successfully graduate, partly thanks to his device. The device was a Toshiba T1000 laptop computer and was borrowed at no charge from the UCLA Disabilities and Computing Program. Looking back now, we obviously have come so far with accessibility-enabled devices, but even then, Robert credited the device for providing him with, quote, independence, productivity, and hopefully success. If you're interested in accessibility issues, head to our show notes where you'll find a link to join our digital accessibility discussions group on LinkedIn. And that's all for Tech History. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C. Caitlin and Brad, what are the top tech headlines? After a Politico report showed the FTC declined to act, despite evidence that Google was potentially in several violations of the law, Republican senators want answers. Senators Howley, Lee, and Blackburn are calling on the Senate Judiciary Committee, as well as the FTC, asking for a public session to, quote, conduct oversight into enforcement or under enforcement of our nation's antitrust laws. The Politico report, which you can find in our show notes, discusses the actions of the Obama administration's FTC in 2012 and how those decisions helped shape our current environment. We'll keep you posted on this in future episodes of TechSwan. And a recent report finds that the popular app TikTok is no more intrusive to your data than any other social media app. This comes after the Trump administration moved to ban the app, citing national security reasons. Now, as we know, that ban never went into effect. And last month, the Biden administration shelved their plans to force the Chinese firm ByteDance to sell the app as the U.S. reviews the app's alleged security risks. This also comes after years of everyone telling me how bad the app is and to stop using it. And to them, I say I will not. And we're rounding out what's brewing with a 5G update. Recently, the Biden administration amended licenses for companies to sell to China's Huawei technologies, further restricting companies from supplying items that can be used with 5G devices. This action by the Biden administration is reinforcing a hard line on exports to Huawei as the U.S. and China battle in the race to 5G. And that's all for what's brewing. As we said earlier, today we're joined by our public policy team for a solid AppCon 21 prep session on all things telehealth and pandemic response. Graham, welcome back. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks for keeping on inviting me, even though um, 
it's boring stuff sometimes. It's not. It. It's always it's always <laughs> a pleasure. Um, and Madeline, it's been a minute. You we have not had you as a guest in a couple of years. So welcome back. It's great to have you back with us. Yeah. Thanks. Great to be back. Happy to be here. Um. Well, let's let's just dive right in. So um, first things first, it is almost time for AppCon 21, uh, or as we're calling them, Max or mini AppCons. Um, Brad and I kind of went over this last last pod, but as a refresh, Brad, can you give us a quick TLDR about the new system for anyone who didn't catch the last episode? Absolutely, yeah. Last year, you know, as a result of the pandemic, we did have to go virtual for AppCon, and it led to a five-week extravaganza of uh, <laughs> so many issues, right after one after the other, um, yes. rapid fire, and it was pretty intense for everyone involved, both at ACT and our members. Um, so we've been able to restructure moving forward, as we've seen uh, the event likely to remain virtual um, for the present time and this mini appcon or mac is going to be telehealth and pandemic response focused but we'll also have Macs around other issue areas as the year progresses which is uh, pretty exciting to say the least yeah absolutely um okay so now that we're all caught up on that um let's talk a little bit about the meetings um madeline can you fill our listeners in on the kind of roundtable meetings we'll be hosting again this year um and then sort of throughout uh, each Mac. Yeah, of course. I'd love to. Um, so historically, AppCon has been centered around constituent meetings. So if you live in the great state of Ohio, for example, right. all of your core meetings would have been with the offices um, of folks in the Ohio delegation. So if I were a member of ACT, my meetings in the old AppCon might have been with Congressman Bob Latta of Ohio's 5th Congressional District. Um, Senator Sherrod Brown and Senator Rob Portman. Um, but as Brad mentioned, we're, we're switching it up and he touched on this a little bit, but the new system of mini AppCons or Macs allows, <laughs> it's going to allow for more policy oriented meetings. Um, I think this is best explained in terms of how Congress is set up. Generally, each member of Congress is assigned committees at the beginning of each Congress, and these committees focus on specific policy topics like energy, taxes, or healthcare. And since members of Congress are elected by their constituencies in their district or state, there ends up being in effect two ways to best engage members of Congress and their staff, through the committees or through constituents. Um, and because we're operating in the virtual environment, we have we can have more app association member companies join. And so with a variety of constituents from different districts, it just makes more sense to take the deep dive into the policy issues um, rather than setting up a bunch of smaller meetings. Um, plus, congressional staff seem to be getting a lot out of these meetings, um, as they did last um, rapid fire AppCon, because <laughs> they're able to hear more perspectives from around the country. Absolutely. I love I love how you said that sort of like a holistic picture of our members and like what they're working on, but how sort of these key issues that we're talking about in this first Mac kind of does impact all of them, even if it impacts them all differently. Um, mm -hmm. That was a great way to explain it. Um, Thank so you. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so, Graham, let's shift to policy talk. Um, you know, this Mac, we're talking telehealth, telemedicine and pandemic response. Um, so what do you what do you want to cover first? Tell us tell us about the issues. 
That sounds great. Um, you <laughs> you said it well. You know, we want to we want to first out, first Mac out of the gate. We really want to focus on telehealth. We want to focus on digital health. It's on most members of Congress's minds right now as they're trying to figure out how best to respond to the pandemic, but also uh, future-proof the statutes uh, and better prepare uh, the nation to, to deal with the pandemic. And, and digital health is going to play a big role in that. And one of the things that I know uh, folks have heard me talk about and, and the group talk about here on the podcast uh, <laughs> is the Wear It Act. Um, we've been on the uh, tech swamp before to just give a little bit of an overview, but um, you know, just as a refresher, it's the Wearable Equipment Adoption and Reinforcement and Investment in Technology Act. And it would clarify the law to uh, say that wearable devices and apps that collect and analyze physiological data uh, for medical care are included in flex spending accounts. Those are tax advantaged accounts that are set aside from somebody's own paycheck. So it's it's a person's own money that's being set aside just on a tax exempt basis. Uh, and then up to $250 of that could be spent on a wearable or an app uh, subscription uh, to analyze physiological data. And that's also up to four, $500 for joint filers. Um, it's applicable as well to health savings accounts, which are sort of a sister account that um, is available for people that have high deductible plans. Um, so it's a, it's a really important update to the law that doesn't really amount to a huge expansion of what medical care, quote unquote, medical care uh, includes. It's just a it's just a clarification that medical care includes, um, you know, a uh, wearable devices that happen to do a couple of different things, as well as apps that do a couple of different things, um, especially when it comes to uh, the anal the analysis and collection of physiological data. Um, and so, uh, you know, right now, just to illustrate it, uh, you know, FSAs or HSAs can be spent on uh, EKG monitors and, and blood pressure cuffs and um, and sunscreen, but also catastrophic fall det detectors like um, uh, help I've fallen I can't get up the uh, the life alert lifeline uh, yeah life alert there we go yeah <laughs> uh, exactly it's been a long time since I've seen one of those commercials so I, I know. remember exactly <laughs> what it's called but uh, you know the um, those things have been covered for a long time now if you if you have a catastrophic fall detection that works just as well as that um, but happens to be um, offered as part of a device that does other things like it also has an EKG monitor but it also tells time and and can read your text messages and, and things like that, uh, then you can't spend FSA dollars uh, on that item. Even like an amount that's attributable just to the medical functions, you, you, you can't do it right now under current law or under the current um, interpretation by the IRS of, of the current uh, statutory definition. So um, it's a really important update, but it's not a huge change to the law. And that's why we think it's doable. And, you know, it will be a probably a centerpiece of what we want to talk about in our first Mac out of the gate. Absolutely. Um, and I, I know that there have been, uh, you know, there's a little bit of pushback that, that folks have been getting here and there on, well, we don't want, we don't want our employers to know all of this stuff about us. Um, you know, because it is a, it's a, it's, it's an account and FSA is an account provided by an employer, but, mm -hmm. uh, the, the data is, is yours. There's nothing about, um, having these things covered that would require 
an employer or an insurer, for example, to uh, be able to have access to this data. And so right. um, there is some confusion along those lines, but um, that's not what uh, that's not what the bill would do, and it's not really what what's envisioned um, with with the change to the law. Absolutely. And what we'll be doing during um, during this MAC is really just kind of talking just about that, um, you know, why the WEIRD Act is so important and what Congress really can do to get it across the finish line, ultimately. Um, so that'll be a great conversation. And then sort of related to that, we'll be talking about telehealth. Yeah, and, and that's a it's a related issue, but um, it brings in a bunch of different things as well, because with uh, the WEIRD Act, we're really talking about making sure that um, the, the tax-exempt accounts can be spent on uh, high, higher tech equipment, not just lower tech stuff like, like Life Alert. Um, right. And, and with, with telehealth, it's a, it's a little bit different because uh, what we are trying to do there is ensure that live audio visi- video visits that you have with your physician, if you're a Medicare beneficiary, that you can uh, have those visits covered uh, by Medicare and... Um, that involves removing the really broad restrictions that currently are in place on Medicare's ability to cover those visits uh, to just a really tiny sliver of Medicare beneficiaries. And specifically there, it's it's only Medicare beneficiaries that are receiving a telehealth service uh, at a qualified originating site that is um, in a, a, a qualified physician shortage area, uh, that is at a specific originating site that does not include the home. It has to be at a physician's, another physician's office. So imagine you go to one physician's office so that you can talk to another physician on a video, on a video call. Um, right. Yeah, that made a lot of sense back in the early 90s, back when video services were not available on everybody's device as they are now, mm-hmm. um, so long as you have a device and, and broadband access. Uh, but... Um, you know, this uh, uh, this restriction, this set of restrictions that's in the law really does uh, discriminate against patients that um, are not in a physician shortage area, that are not in a rural area, happen to be in an urban area uh, mm-hmm. and need to be able to visit their doctor uh, via live audio or video uh, um, and, and need to do it at either their home or someplace else. And so um, it's the Telehealth Modernization Act that really addresses this in the best way and it says that um you know uh, the a qualified originating site for the purposes of of the medicare statute includes any site at which the patient is located when uh the the service is furnished and so that's really important especially for folks who are who don't have a fixed address mm-hmm. or for for folks who really can't be at home and and have a, a bad situation at home need mental health services for example and need to access those someplace else um, and don't have access to a, a physician's office that happens to be in a rural area, in a, f- a physician shortage area, and has to be a certain ki- type of facility. So um, th- these restrictions are long overdue to be removed. Um, and so that's why we're pushing this legislation. We think that there is a, um, at least there is a, a, a decent chance that there can be permanent reform uh, that can that can help in this area. So. Um, the bottom line is that telehealth should not be arbitrarily limited to uh, that little tiny sliver of Medicare patients that fit a very narrow set of criteria uh, as as exists in current law. Absolutely. And I think it's worth noting that during the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been sort of that temporary, like general waiver of some of these restrictions. And so like, 
basically what we're asking is for those to become permanent and include sort of a, you know, as you mentioned, folks who, you know, maybe don't have a fixed address or who need to be able to access care um, in a safe environment and maybe that's not their home. Um, And so it's not necessarily limiting exactly what that site is in which they would be receiving the service. So um, we care a lot about this bill. We've talked about it also um, on past episodes and also on lots of blogs and, and we'll, you know, certainly be sharing more information about that both in our show notes and during the Mac. Um, And, you know, I know we have a few more telehealth and connected health initiative issues we'll be covering this MAC, um, but I want to make sure we have some time to talk about the pandemic response and what we'll be talking about related to that. Um, You know, this issue area is really one we're excited to take to the Hill with our members because it's not just about what our members are asking Congress for. Um, It's also about how our members help their local and global communities. Um, And so before we get into those congressional asks, Brad, can you talk a little bit about what our members accomplished during one of the most challenging hurdles in sort of our our recent history uh, during this time? Of course. You know, in 2021, we're still struggling to find balance in a turbulent environment that has been created by the COVID-19 public health emergency. Uh, We know a ton of Americans have turned to apps and the internet to communicate, work, and monitor their health and wellness, as well as other things, in order to make that happen. Small businesses in the app economy had to quickly pivot, often creating entirely new products to address these demands or shifting their business model and focus in just a few weeks. Um, And our members have been working on the front lines to provide telehealth support and resources, as well as offer their services and expertise to businesses that need to pivot to a digital presence, with many of these resources coming at no charge. Here are just a couple good examples of what our members have been up to uh, throughout uh, the COVID-19 public health emergency. The first of which is Vimos Nightlife, which is based in Minneapolis, Uh, Minnesota. They offered their platform and expertise to service industry members who were facing unemployment. Uh, And they used their platform to help these folks generate additional income through teaching online classes and holding events on it. Um, On the other side of the coin, more uh, directly health focused, so to speak, would be Particle Health, which is based in New York City. And they made their API for electronic medical records free to organizations and platforms that are screening for COVID-19. Of course, we have plenty of other members who have been uh, doing incredible things throughout this time. But I think we could fill up the entirety of the podcast talking about it. So we'll, we'll leave it to just two companies this time. Absolutely. Um, And Graham, back to you, you know, in addition to kind of having our members share their stories about what how they've really had to adapt during this period, um, what are we going to be talking to Congress about related to the pandemic? Yeah, so there there are a couple of things that Congress can do to make sure that these companies are able to um, continue to to respond as well as they as they have. And uh, one of the things we look at is the fact that, you know, um, the Small Business Administration has been pushing out the Paycheck Protection Program and similar programs. One thing that Congress can do is continue to conduct oversight of that agency and and some of the other agencies to ensure that the COVID-19 relief packages and the COVID-19 relief that's available for small businesses, that there's guidance to go along with that because it's not user friendly. It's the federal government and it is uh, very difficult to work with at times. 
Um, small businesses especially need some help because they don't have the lobbyists constantly in D.C. They don't have uh, the cadre of attorneys that are working on applications for this stuff. Um, they need all the assistance they can get. And so some of these meetings are going to be about, hey, uh, this committee can help by ensuring that the agencies are pushing out guidance and, and holding small businesses' hands when they try to access uh, COVID-19 relief. Um, Absolutely. And then, you know, it's... Uh, uh, this goes hand in hand with with telehealth, but also broadly with with the set of issues that we advocate on generally, uh, and that's access to broadband. And you can you know you can remove all the barriers you want to access to Medicare telehealth services, and you can remove all the barriers to, to Medicare's coverage of those services. Uh, it's not going to bring broadband service to uh, to people's homes, and so that is the other barrier that we need to address. Uh, and I know that pretty soon Congress is going to be working on infrastructure-specific legislation and an infrastructure package. Um, broadband, I think, uh, needs to be a part of that. And so, you know, part of our uh, MAC number one is probably going to focus on, uh, hey, we need to do something to ensure uh, that um, we're building on the great support that Congress provided in the stimulus packages uh, responding to COVID-19, which, which. Uh, included great resources for for broadband deployment. Okay, now let's figure out what we can do on a permanent basis, uh, because the, I think the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, for one thing, is going to be facing a crisis pretty soon with its Universal Service Fund, which is used to to support um, deployment of broadband and to support low-income access to broadband. Uh, some of those things we need to start looking at making changes to ensure that uh, those programs. Um, don't run out of funds uh, going forward because right now the FCC really only charges the bills of landline telephone service to support broadband deployment all over the country. That's not sustainable, and I think Congress needs to uh, help out and potentially provide um, you know more authorities to to do more in that space. Absolutely. And I think you sort of alluded to this, but I think one of the things, especially about broadband and as it relates to COVID-19, but also sort of, I think the future of uh, the app economy um, is that access to broadband is always going to matter. Um, and we've learned in all of the ways that it really does matter, uh, especially over the last year with everyone being at home and school being something from home and, and access to medical care or something from home. Um, and I think that it also has highlighted the digital divide more than ever. Um, and so these are also just sort of like key issues and, and key, we hope, programs that are going to help to really start to solve um the wider problems that exist within the digital divide and how that then impacts our industry. So this is something I think we're going to talk about all year, not just for this uh, Mac on health. So, um, you know, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be an exciting one. We're really looking forward to it. Um, this first Mac is the week of April 5th. Um, and, you know, more more to come, more conversations to be had. Um, but, you know, Graham and Madeline, Thank you so much for joining us and, and doing some AppCon prep for our listeners. We appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. having us. Really excited. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for Random Identifier. Brad, you are up first. What do you have for us? All right, so I continue my musical quest on this podcast, and uh, it leads me to my obsession with Australian bands right now. Yes. Um, and 
this episode, I'd like to bring attention to a band called Skaggs. Um, they actually have a new album coming out at the end of the week, and it's probably the most excited I've been for an album in the pandemic times, I suppose, in a very long time. Um, but they're a very cool kind of indie rock, maybe a little bit punky band. I was going to say, I think I know this band. Yeah, they're super surfy. The, yeah. the way that I, I gauge, definitely know this band. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. The way the way that I kind of gauge wonderful bands in Australia is mm-hmm. if they seem like they just do music as a job. Like their real yeah. passion is just like laying by the beach and then they have to like sing totally. to make the money. Um, like they they're follow totally the waves. That band. Yeah, like they follow the waves, but then like make music to like pay the bills so that they can follow the waves. Yeah, totally. And I, <laughs> yeah. I remember reading, I read an article about them one time, and their drummer actually lives entirely off the grid with, like, no access to the outside world on top of, like, a mountain somewhere. I um, love that. Yeah, so I, I really appreciate their vibe, and I, I'm very, very excited for new yeah, music. Yeah, that's very Patrick Swayze in one of my all-time favorite movies of all time, Point Break, so I support this. <laughs> I feel like he would like them. Whatever. All right. Um, well, <laughs> um, um, Madeline, um, you have joined us for Random Identifier, yes. which is very exciting. Um, mm-hmm. What What are you bringing to us this week, this month? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I have been reading this book on anxiety um, and am enjoying a lot. Um, I mean, you, you all know this, but I am a very anxious person. Um, hello world. I have anxiety. Um, (laughs) but anyways, um, the book is called, um, Unwinding Anxiety by Judson Brewer, um, MD, PhD. Um, and I am about like 20% of the way through. Um, so obviously I haven't entirely, you know, figured out how to, how to unwind anxiety, but so far (laughs) I'm particularly fascinated uh, by this concept that the author outlines as anxiety being a survival mechanism spun out of control. Um, So when faced with uncertainty, we often will pump our brains with information. Mm -hmm. When that information leads us to think of possibilities that just aren't grounded in reality. And so we're basically trying to protect ourselves from uncertainty, but instead it ends up making us feel so much worse. And so that just that contention between like us trying to help ourselves um, and actually helping ourselves, I think is just really interesting. Yeah, totally. That's I think also I've never heard of I've never like heard that theory before. And when you shared that, I was like, that actually makes a ton of sense. It makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. Like I so think much. also mm-hmm. like during this time, I feel like a lot of people have really been feeling that specifically. Mm-hmm. So I, oh, I'm absolutely. sure. Yeah. So I feel like that's also a very timely recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. This is a of good course. one. I'm going to read it. I'm adding it to my list. Oh, Add it to the queue. queue. Add it to the queue. <laughs> yes. Um, Caitlin, what about you? What do you have for us this month? Well, I actually am going to be talking about something that has been bringing me anxiety. Oh, gosh. Um, and it's also music related. So I'm really tying <gasps> everyone's stuff in. Um yes. I have a new favorite song, and it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm really yes. excited for this. Oh, you guys. Like, I usually listen to, like, great music. <laughs> like, I really do. 
Um, and Alex knows about the one song I've really been off recently, which mm-hmm. is a Post Malone cover of I Only Want to Be With You, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm so excited. <laughs> Please. What I'm here to talk about is um, Addison Ray's new single, Obsessed. Who is Addison um, Ray? So thanks for asking. <laughs> First of all, Addison Ray is a TikTok celebrity um, okay. who is now a regular celebrity. Um, and she has created what I can really only describe as like the best and worst pop song I've ever heard. I love Um, that. It's called Obsessed. The song is called Obsessed. And it's like basically like about like Addison Rae saying that like you're obsessed with me and you say that you like can't live without me, but I'm more obsessed with me. So even when we are not together I'm still winning because I'm more obsessed with me than I'm obsessed with you or you oh, could wow. ever be obsessed with me so it's, it's very like, like Mariah Carey's very okay yes but it doesn't sound like that at all but it's okay. very like yeah and so it's just it's a great like pop song in the sense that like it it's it's also horrible mm-hmm. um and I usually pride myself on listening to like pretty good music but like that I mean this is I, I can't make an excuse for this. This is just a pop song that is so bad that it's good and I can't get it out of my head and I'm so scared it's going to be my number one most listened to song on Spotify for 2021. <laughs> I say lean into it. You know how I feel about guilty pleasures. So I feel like if it makes you happy, you just got to like, you just got to like let it in. I'm pretty sure Bandit hates the song at this point because she's heard it so many times. Like, uh. <laughs> Maybe that's what she's really, like when she's barking, what she's really doing is thinking. <laughs> Oh my god. She's like, she's like but, yeah, Addison Ray, turn it up. Yeah, and she's also like, why are you so obsessed with me? <gasps> yes, I sing it to her all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think we I think maybe we've come like full circle to understanding sort of the truth of Bandit at this point. I think so. I yeah. think so. After you were able to um translate her barking earlier today, um, on our call yeah. um to now, I think you're helping me understand my dog. I, I'm glad that I can uh, provide that service for you. I'm getting um, answers, finally. Yeah, I <laughs> wish that my random identifier had to do with the fact that I'm actually a dog whisperer slash translator. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, um, you know, I don't even know where to start. I'm going to start with, you You um, mentioned uh, part of what I'm going to be talking about, which is mm-hmm. Post Malone. Um, and I guess to set the scene... Um, last night it's about 9.45 and I get a text message from my dad who I think like Brad is like very, and Caitlin, he's very musically inclined. He, uh, kind of listens to a lot of everything. Um, you know, even, uh, he, he likes to stay current. Like my dad's very just like into music. That's just like his number one hobby. Um, number two is cooking. So either way I benefit. (laughs) And... Um, anyway, so it's 9.45 p.m. last night, and um, I get a text from my dad <laughs> um, that basically is like, uh, basically he tells me that he's watching the fundraiser on YouTube that was put on by, quote, Matthew, parenthesis, all right, all right, all right, and parenthesis, <laughs> um, and that Post Malone did CW, and it was great. And I was like, okay, I speak my dad. So I know that Matthew, all right, all right, all right, means Matthew McConaughey. And I know that he did a YouTube fundraiser um, to uh, benefit Texans who were affected by the snowstorm. 
And um, I obviously I know who Post Malone is. Um, we've <laughs> talked about that on the post on on the podcast before. Um, but um, but I didn't know what CW is, so I was like, Dad, um, what? And he explained that CW is country and western. And then he proceeds to tell me that he uh, now considers himself a quote minor fan of Post Malone, and that he's intrigued and wants to quote learn more. And I laughed it off because I didn't think it was true. Because my dad, um, I would say the only real genre of music that he's ever been sort of resistant to is like top 40 pop. And yet... So he really should be listening to Addison Ray song is what you're telling me. <laughs> what I'm telling... Well, maybe because what he is... He was serious and has now asked me to essentially educate him. That's a direct quote on Post Malone. Um, educate him on Post Malone. And, and, oh, the other thing is that, like, my dad also, like, knew facts about Post Malone because he was so, like, taken with this performance, which is a country <laughs> performance, which is, like, as we all know, not standard Post Malone. Um, and so, um, and so I find myself in sort of the situation where I, where there's, like, a lot of things happening, right? Because, like, obviously I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to force my dad to sit at the dining room table um, and just, like, listen to Post Malone songs. And he, like, has to do it because he asked me to, to like, spend time. He wanted this, yeah. He wanted this, and I'm going to spend time putting together one of my, you know, patented playlists. Um, Would you like a, a, a slideshow presentation to accompany your playlist? Yes. <laughs> I thought about doing that to also kind of take him through my journey with Post Malone. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> which has also been traced through this very podcast. Really um, and so, 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 but what I can't decide is, like, I think my dad knows that Post Malone is not actually a member of the country and Western genre. But I don't know that for for sure. And so, like, one of the things that I have to decide is, like, do I say something in advance or do I just, like, sit him down at the table and start with a song like Candy Paint and just, like, really let it let it rip? You know what I mean? So that's the that's really been weighing on my mind um, these past not even 24 hours um, and will continue to uh, until Friday night when I will um, educate uh, my dad on Post Malone. And but don't worry, I will give you all an update next month. Um, when my dad yes. uh, decides that he needs face tattoos and um, uh, to become a beer pong champ. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure your dad is already a beer pong champ. He is very good at beer pong. <laughs> um, also, like, weird that, like, I've definitely played beer pong with my dad. But yeah. anyway, um, we're an unstoppable duo. He's also very tall and played basketball. So, like, I feel like he had an unfair advantage uh, in being athletic generally. Um Yes. He and Post Malone would get along. My dad would have been a great guest on Post Malone show. Uh, maybe season two. I just really, <laughs> I I feel like I need a Post Malone um, reality show. Because I feel like that would open people's eyes, like your father's, uh, maybe to how lovable his his antics are. Well, and that's <laughs> what, if, if you'll remember from like almost one of the first episodes ever of Text Mom. That was what really got me as I watched him on like like late night with Jimmy Fallon, and they went to the <laughs> Olive Garden, and I was like, "Who is yep. this delightful person? What is happening?" Um, and I said it just like that to Caitlin, but first I was like, "Caitlin, what is a Post Malone?" And then she <laughs> then she filled me in, and then I was like, "Well, I watched a Post Malone on the TV last night, and boy, would see delightful." Anyway. All this to say, guys, um, I will be doing some educating uh, in the next several days, and I will report <laughs> back on the important work that I'm doing. 
<laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, guys, that is it for Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And of course, we want to give a shout out to Brad Goodall, who has composed the podcast Awesome Music. Thank you, Brad. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, we would love a rate and view. Five stars only, please. (laughs) That's all for today, folks. Everyone say bye. Bye. Bye.